live across Kansas on the Game Day Radio Network and worldwide at PowerCatGameDay.com. K-State fans, it's time. He's at the 40 near side, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20. He may go. 10-5, Wildcat touchdown, Phillip Brooks. Surveys, gets the snap. It's a little bit high. Under pressure, sack. There's another sack, and it's Jerron McPherson back at the 37-yard line. Wildcat Nation, welcome to Powercat Game Day. Shoots it over the middle, and this is Sammy Wheeler at the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Wildcats! Sammy Wheeler is in there for the score, and K-State with 52 seconds to go in the first half. Power Cat Game Day is powered by... Prairie Land Partners, your local John Deere dealer with 15 locations throughout Kansas, and Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center. Get back in the game with the same doctors trusted by Kansas State, online at kansasortho.com. The biggest pregame show in the Big 12 starts now. Wildcat fans, this is Powercat Game Day. After a long break, we are back with Powercat Game Day one final time for the 2021 season. And it is in 2022 as tonight, K-State takes on the LSU Tigers as a part of the Texas Bowl at NRG Stadium in Houston. Welcome into Powercat Game Day. I am John Kurtz. Joined by Derek Young and Colt Manbeck, as always. The Wildcats finished the regular season at a disappointing 7-5 after being 7-3 going into the final two games against Baylor and Texas. The game that particularly stings is the Texas game in which the Wildcats very much should have won. One, it got offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham fired, and it probably is the reason that Adrian Martinez is now in as a transfer quarterback because Will Howard struggled again at QB. So, guys, there is a lot to break down from that game against Texas. But just taking a step back, removing yourself from some of the emotions of which they were very strong after the Texas game. Cole, K-State ends the regular season at 7-5, and five, certainly about, I think, where expectations were going into the season. But as always happens, when you get into it and you see the opportunity that's presented there at 7-3, and three, it feels pretty disappointing right now heading into the bowl game. Yeah, kind of similar to 2019, John, and Chris Clemens' first year when Kansas State got off to the 6-2 and two start, had an opportunity to get to 9 or 10 wins, and then lost three of their last five games to end the season. And, you know, now Kansas State drops their last two games to end the regular season. He had a shot at nine wins, which would have been a great year. You know, again, 7-5, and five, like you said, is kind of where we expected this thing to end up. But when you have things flash in front of you with an opportunity to, to get to eight or nine regular season wins, that's certainly something you don't want to squander. And, you know, especially the Texas game, I, you know, we clearly see how good Baylor is finishing with their first 12 win season in school history uh, and winning the sugar bowl against Ole Miss. But, you know, so, so there's nothing to be ashamed of with losing to the bears, but the Texas game uh, that, that was brutal. And it's a good thing that we had three or four weeks here before we did this show to, to cool off a little bit because that was about as angry and frustrated as I've been during a game uh, in a long time. And just the way that K-State lost that game was inexplicable. Some of the things that they did from a play calling standpoint on the offensive side of the football were just infuriating and, and hard to understand. And so that, that, that game hurt. But now you do have an opportunity to bounce back um, and end the season on a positive. And I think that's important because you lose this game. You're talking about finishing the year on a three-game losing streak. And just last year, K-State finished on a five-game losing streak. And you, you want to finish with some positivity there and, and push that into the next season and offseason as well. 
Yeah, and hopefully it's not too much like 2019 because they lost the bowl game after that season to Navy and the Liberty Bowl. So hopefully they don't repeat that part of it. But I do agree. It is important to take wins into the offseason sometimes, have a you know a good taste in everyone's mouth and not, not a bad one because a bad one in this day and age is what can sometimes lead to you know upset players, frustrated players. And, and like I said, in this day and age, that typically, you know, includes transfers and that's something you almost have to keep in mind. So I think a win is almost important in that way. And also doing it in, in an impressive fashion would be, uh, I, I think critical for the Wildcats. They haven't had a whole lot of transfers yet. And I think you want to keep those numbers down, especially, and I'm sure we'll get into it at some point with the transfers that they've already added. They have the potential to have a really nice football team next year because they've, you know, resolved the issue at quarterback and have even added to what is already a defense with a, with a lot of potential as well. But, you know, I guess the one takeaway I have from those two losses in general is the Baylor game, I think, was one of the, probably the poorest played games by Kansas State all season. And in the Texas game, it was kind of the play calling, as, as Cole alluded to, and you just wonder what they were thinking, especially in short-yarded situations, because that was that was Texas trying to every which way to lose that game. And Kansas State said, yep, no thank you, we'll, we'll let you have this one. And it's, it's a game that gets a coordinator fired. And Courtney Messingham, who actually, you know, if you listen to the show or follow me on Twitter, no had had actually, by the numbers, a decent enough year. I mean, K-State's offense was in the top four in the Big 12 in yards per play there for a while, which, again, you have to take into account because of the pace at which K-State plays. But it was a game that Messingham really couldn't come back from. And even as somebody who defended him quite a bit, Cole, I, I had to – level with everybody too. The the short yardage calls in case they ran into multiple times obviously left something to be desired. And you just you can't mess up that badly in a spot that means that much to people to finish with an eight and four season win at Texas, a, a very bad Texas team. And it forced Colin or rather Chris Kleiman to go make a move to fire a childhood friend of his which tells us a couple things. One, that he is actually capable and willing to do that, which is something that really doomed Bill Snyder once upon a time, not being willing to do that. And now we get to see, as we move into this game, if Colin Klein is going to be the guy, how things go with, with him calling the plays. Yeah, you mentioned it, John. I mean, through nine games this season, K-State's offense was tied for the 1998 team for the most, the highest average of yards per play. You know, they were the second most since 2013, second best in points per drive. Yeah, they've been relatively efficient on the offensive side of the football for most of the season, but down the stretch, the Baylor game really struggled, and then the Texas game. I just don't think there was any way you could come back from that uh, for Courtney Messingham in the locker room, the way that game was called, and the fan base reaction as well. Uh, you know, just inexplicable wildcat run plays. I mean, we don't need to relive the situation. I I don't understand it. They went to the same play multiple times, and they ran it to the right side of their line, which is the weaker side of the line in both situations, and uh, just just brutal uh, and really inexcusable. And so, you know, Chris Kleiman really didn't have much of a choice at that point. And I know there was some uh, – it required some patience from K-State fans. They wanted to see Courtney Messingham gone right away, and it took a little more than a week, but it did happen. And now, you know, I'm excited to see what Colin Klein does with his first opportunity to game plan, put in a game plan. And, you know, I know LSU – this isn't going to be the best – uh, indicator of 
what Colin Klein will be like as an offensive coordinator, just because LSU, we don't know how engaged or locked in they're going to be on this game with some of the opt-outs as well. But it will be very interesting to see what a Colin Klein game plan looks like. And uh, I'm eager to see it and see him get his opportunity. Yeah, of course, we're talking about the option and the Wildcat calls there in short-yarded situations that doomed Kansas State against Texas. And ultimately, you know, everyone was scratching their heads at that call, so was the locker room. So I do think that's really what played a part and Courtney Messingham being relieved of his duties. I, I don't think it's like, hey, you know, this season wasn't good enough. I think from a number standpoint, and Cole kind of indicated what those were, it was more than good enough to, to for someone to keep their job. But it, in a game that probably meant a lot to those players and meant a lot to the fan base, I think Messingham ultimately just lost the trust and faith of everyone involved, including perhaps, you know, not just his roster, his fan base, maybe maybe Chris Kleiman himself, because he voiced his frustration pretty loudly and clearly after the game, was immediately after the game as well. So just looking ahead, um, it'll be interesting. It, it, it's clear that this is almost an audition of sorts for Colin Klein, but if any others will also ultimately be considered, or if Colin Klein just impressed so much, you know, in this lead up to the bowl game and then does so, you know, tonight in the Texas Bowl that, you know, he takes the job and runs away with it. I mean, that's certainly possible, but I do think with the convention, you know, the coaches convention here in four or five days that there might be some others that they get a look as well. Well, for now, K-State is going to have Skyler Thompson, it would appear, back at quarterback into this game against LSU, which is frankly a shell of itself right now, and quarterback is a part of that, losing Max Johnson who is in the transfer portal, and uh, LSU is in an interesting situation right now regarding who is going to play quarterback. We don't really know, but for K-State, D.Y., nobody has opted out. Everybody wants to play. Skylar Thompson said he didn't think about for a second not playing in this game. You should get a game in which K-State has plenty of advantages, namely having basically the full roster and having a very motivated roster when you would imagine LSU with a coaching change two years removed from a national championship, doesn't really care very much about playing a Texas Bowl against K-State. Yeah, from a roster standpoint, there's a clear advantage on the Kansas State side. And I think almost the the brand name of LSU being across the other sideline almost probably kept some of those players on the Kansas State roster for this game. So it's a little bit ironic in that way. And then we're also hearing, you know, some good news for next year, Eli Huggins coming back. I believe that Ty Zentner is also going to come back. And that takes some of the sting away from special teams. And and it sounds like, you know, we'll probably have Malik Mills for one more season at this point, too. So despite the, the poor taste in their mouth that came from the Texas game and all the frustration that coincided with that in the aftermath, um, things really settled down quite nicely for Kansas State um, upon hearing that they're playing LSU in a Texas Bowl. Um, didn't lose as many players as I thought they would lose in this time period. And, and I think they could lose even fewer than expected after the bowl game as well. The, the roster is in a much better standpoint than what it felt like it was headed uh, you know, immediately after the game against Texas. And I would just add, I mean, I, I was frustrated with the January 4th kickoff date. It's a weird date. I'm always of the belief the bowl should be played before you know New Year's Day and earlier. But the one promise, the one highlight of it being January 4th, I watched games all day Saturday on uh, New Year's Day, and the K-State LSU game was promoted on ESPN throughout the entirety of the day. And I think this is a a great opportunity for K-State to have the spotlight on their program being the only game on Tuesday night. People will watch because people crave college football. They love it. And K-State now is the only bowl game, the only game, the next to last game of college football season. Uh, tonight. So uh, it's a great opportunity for K-State against the Blue Blood program.
Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe a chance to kick off a little Deuce Vaughn Heisman campaign. He's, he's been the one on all of the graphics that have popped up for the bowl game because no one knows who the hell is actually playing for LSU. <laughs> so Deuce <laughs> has become the de facto guy that is the the face of this game. So if he can go out there and have a great game, there there's a lot that can happen in terms of benefits for K-State from this. So very much looking forward to it. Table set. We'll be with you over the next about hour and a half as we get you ready for network pregame coverage between K-State and LSU today. Coming up next, we mentioned Skylar Thompson back, feeling healthy, looked good at practice and the little practice video that was uh, sent out from earlier in this week in Houston. You're going to hear from him coming up next. Plus, we'll talk about his replacement, Adrian Martinez, transferring to K-State from Nebraska to play quarterback. Will he be the turnover machine that he was in Lincoln? Can K-State correct that and turn him into the talented prospect he was coming out of high school? We'll talk about that coming up next here on Power Cat Game. K-State fans, this is Power Cat Game Day. Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center offers innovative, cutting-edge physical therapy. From blood flow restriction rehabilitation, dry needling, DARI-A biochemical movement analysis, fall prevention, and return to sport, OSMC Physical Therapy has over 75 years of combined treatment experience and deliver a successful and positive outcome while making the rehabilitation process pleasant and enjoyable. At Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Physical Therapy, no referrals are needed to schedule your therapy appointment. For more information, visit us at kansasortho.com. Whether you're reimagining your backyard or transforming a few acres into a field of dreams, let Prairie Land Partners show you how easy and affordable it is to own a John Deere. Go to prairielandpartners.com, click on the PLP Builder to build, price, and buy a compact utility tractor, mower, gator, or skid steer. Get started today at prairielandpartners.com. Delivering the right solution. Prairie Land Partners. Powercat Game Day Forecast. It's brought to you by Al Langton Insurance. Feel like family, not just a number. Call Al Langton Insurance for home, auto, renters, and business insurance. They know insurance, so you don't have to. Well, there is going to be a dome in play today where K-State plays at NRG Stadium in Houston, but hey, I believe a retractable roof, so we'll, we'll give you the forecast anyway. Uh, today, partly sunny with a high of 65 overnight, partly cloudy, a low of around 53 and south wind of 5 to 10 miles per hour. So, hey, for January, not bad at all. Can't complain much about that with the low only being 53 degrees. So there does not seem to be a whole lot of weather that is going to factor in one way or the other into this game between K-State and LSU. We welcome you back into Powercat Game Day. I am John Kurtz. I'm joined by Derek Young from K-State Online and Cole Manbeck as well. We're going to hear from Skylar Thompson later on this segment. Wildcat signal caller back after another injury at the end of the year, but looks like he will be good and ready to go and seems very fired up and motivated to make his last memory in a K-State uniform a good one today against the Tigers. Now, Skylar Thompson's replacement is going to be a quarterback that does have some similarities to him in that feels like Adrian Martinez has been at Nebraska and in college football forever. And he is an experienced quarterback that K-State will plug and play in all likelihood next year. Desperately needing that after Will Howard continued to not develop the way that you wanted to see that this year. To be honest, D.Y., uh, this one fell into K-State's lap a little bit because Adrian Martinez is dating a member of the K-State women's soccer team. But you use whatever advantages you can in recruiting, and it, it continues K-State's track record of being able to land some pretty high-impact players in the portal, albeit 
a very turnover prone one in Adrian Martinez. Yeah, yeah. You use whatever you can in recruiting and you leverage it the best you can in order to get the win. And that's what they did for Adrian Martinez. Uh, the clear other competitor was Cal, but I believe, and I have been told that he had plenty of other offers on the table, including someone and a pretty well connected source even revealed to me it was half the Big Ten had also reached out and wanted uh, Adrian Martinez in tow as well. So um, just a great pickup for Kansas State. Uh, even though it fell right in their lap, they're not going to apologize for that. And a lot of the similarities you said between he and Skylar Thompson, one that you probably didn't mention, it's on the negative side, is that they're both flawed quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen Skylar Thompson enough to kind of know his flaws at this point. But Adrian Martinez, it was a turnover machine in Lincoln, and that can't be ignored. You can probably – you know, characterize that and blame it a little bit on the offensive line and the team that he was working with for Nebraska. They were no by they were by no means special, and and even you could say that the offensive line was probably the worst offensive line unit you know in Power Five for multiple seasons, and that probably you know kind of gave Martinez the freedom to improvise and probably take some risks that he won't need to do in Manhattan. Um, but he did also throw for over 8,000 yards, ran for over 2,000 yards, and had 80 total touchdowns, and that's no small thing. I, You know, the people will probably really want to debate this, and we'll know more after next season, of course, but I, I do think that they're upgrading here at the quarterback position over Skylar Thompson even. I think Adrian Martinez has that kind of potential. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the addition a lot. Uh, I think it was a must. And, you know, you got a guy that started four years at a Power 5 program uh, where there's certainly a lot of pressure. And certainly he's been under a lot of criticism at Nebraska. You know, 14 and 24 record with the Huskers under Scott Frost with him as a starting quarterback. Obviously, nowhere nearly falls on all of him. He, he was he was really good as a true freshman at Nebraska. He put up really good numbers, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions, uh, played well. And then... Yeah, I, I just wonder if really he could just benefit from a fresh start outside in the lens of the Nebraska fan base, all the pressure that's going on there. I, I think maybe the turnovers, a lot of the late game, some of these turnovers were just fluky when you watch Nebraska games. Like, you know, the Michigan game this year where he ran the ball, he thought the play was over and uh, they thought he heard a whistle and they stripped the ball out and fumbled and that's how they ended up losing that game at the end. You know, I, I wonder how much he'll benefit from just a fresh start, getting out of the, the eyes of Nebraska, getting under a new coaching staff, and obviously a much better offensive line uh, with Cooper Beebe protecting his blind side at left tackle. Uh, D.Y. mentioned it, but Martinez was pressured on 44% of his dropbacks this last year, uh, which is the highest among all Power 5 teams in college football. So uh, I think a lot of those turnovers were also just – how much pressure he was on trying to make plays. They were in a lot of close games and, you know, he was in situations where he had to make plays and, and probably felt the pressure to do so. So there's a lot of talent to work with there. Obviously he's a top 100 recruit in the country. One of the top quarterback recruits offers from all over the country uh, and can certainly run the ball uh, very well. And uh, him and Deuce Vaughn in the backfield together, assuming Martinez can get healthy from the, the labrum surgery he had is going to be a very exciting pair to watch. Yeah, a couple of things, you know, for fans that had reservations about this, just in terms of how he played at Nebraska, you guys have outlined a lot of that. Clearly, one, he's playing with a guy that has proven to be a head coach a little bit in over his head in Scott Frost. The offensive line has been terrible. Um, there are a lot of reasons to think that he could come into a better infrastructure at K-State and perform much better. Um, beyond all of that, it's just that K-State needed a quarterback clearly in the transfer portal, clearly. And you weren't going to find somebody more talented than Adrian Martinez out there in all likelihood. 
um, you, you have to go take a kid like this and take a chance on you being the the program to be able to mold him more into what people thought he was going to be. That you do not get four star quarterbacks in this program very often, and certainly not four star quarterbacks who lead Nebraska all time in passing yardage and all sorts of statistics. That Adrian Martinez is in the Nebraska record book, so. Uh, to assuage some of those fears, I think you have to feel pretty good about what K-State did there. And and I would add, with the knowledge now that we know Eli Huggins is coming back, huge mm-hmm. for the defensive line, with the knowledge that K-State landed Brandon Jennings this past week at linebacker, who was arguably the best linebacker recruit in the transfer portal. Just amazing that K-State was able to beat out the competition they did to get him. You have Khalid Duke coming back from injury. Obviously, there's Deuce Vaughn and Felix Ndike. I mean, D.Y., I guess my question to you would be, are there enough pieces in place for a legitimate run to Arlington to try and make the Big 12 championship game? I think so, because I think Adrian Martinez is that kind of talent at the quarterback position where he's a little bit of a difference maker. And having him in two spawn is pretty lethal when you think about a a possible rushing attack there. Uh, You'd like to upgrade the receiver position a little bit. We'll see if they're able to do that. But all in all, Adrian Martinez makes you feel good enough about the offense because the defense... I mean, this is this will be on paper Chris Kleiman's best defense since he's been in Manhattan, and I don't think that's up for debate. But you could probably even go back further than that on paper what this defense might be historically, because I mean, realistically, how many NFL guys are we possibly talking about at this point? Because I, I think Khalid Duke could be an NFL guy. Obviously, both the linebacker, linebackers Jennings and Green. I didn't think we'd see you know a transfer portal addition with the same kind of impact that Adrian Martinez, but Jennings might be even greater than that. I think both corners have NFL potential with Julius Brents and, and Echo Boydo. And we haven't even talked about Felix Senior Yuzahama yet at defensive end. So there is a lot of, you know, just perf- you know future pros, I think, on next year's defense to make you very excited about what they're going to be able to do. Um, the Big 12 is not getting any easier next year. And, and in fact, it'll be a pretty difficult conference, I think, with a lot of potential. Iowa State will be down, but there's some others that'll be up, and, including Texas. Uh, and even though Oklahoma could take a step back, we'll see what happens in Norman. But I think the pieces are there for people to at least dream about a potential 10 win or more season. But I do think that they still need to probably address another defensive tackle, uh, a safety or two, and maybe a receiver. There's some there are some huge building blocks, some huge building blocks. And I think quietly K-State is entering that territory where you can start to think about it. But yes, I'm with you guys. Some other things are going to need to happen and fall in place as well for that to be legitimately, legitimately possible. All right. Well, our player and coach interviews are brought to you by Manhattan Regional Airport. Fly safe, fly local, fly MHK. Book your flight today at flymhk.com. We've got Skylar Thompson coming up right now. You've heard him many a time in this section of the show with player interviews before, but this will be the last time with Skylar Thompson on his way out of Manhattan and ready now to play after suffering another injury at the end of last season. I'm sure he is rearing to go today against LSU. Skylar, what does this bowl game mean to you? Um, <clears throat> probably uh, going into probably the most meaningful game of my career. No, not probably, it is. Um, you know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> It's been a been a good year. Uh, it's been a successful year for us, um, and you know, just my entire career here coming to an end uh, in a very, very good uh, atmosphere, very good game versus a very good opponent. Um, I'm very excited, very excited for the opportunity. I feel the healthiest I've felt in a very long time, uh, having some time off here, um, and you know, I just feel mentally in a good spot, um, just knowing, you know. 
Uh, I've given it everything I've every ounce of myself to this program and this university and you know I'm just trying to uh, to focus on the little things and enjoy the little moments in this process because um, I know know it's coming to an end but I'm saying that you know I came down here to win we came down here to win and that, that's our main focus and you know all the, the the extra stuff all the the rest of it will will take care of itself um, once the, the game is over that time comes I assume you never thought about skipping the game no Absolutely not. Uh, that never, never crossed my mind in a million years. Never would have. So, the team's preparation A plus. Uh, guys are locked in. This is most energy and um, you know just uh, focused prep that I've been a part of in a bowl game. And guys are having fun. Guys are enjoying the process. And I think we've really understood this year that. The, how important the preparation is, you know, and you win games, you win games back in December 14th in bowl prep during finals week, you know, like those, we understood like those, those days were very important and, and each day you just got to stack and continue to get, to get better, improve, put weeks and weeks together for this prep because it's been a long one um, and just, it kind of gets doing a lot of the same stuff. I mean, the, the prep, prepping for one team for five weeks compared to normally in a week during the season, you know, so things can get kind of redundant, repetitive, and can kind of cause you to kind of take your foot off the gas there, you know, and there's times where, you know, we just got to, we had to focus on keeping our, our foot on the gas and to focus on the little details of things throughout the process. What, what has Colin Klein been like as an offensive coordinator? He's been amazing. Um, obviously for me, uh, I feel like just hit the ground running with me just because I spent so much time with him for, for five years, and I've always felt like I've him and I are just always on the same page. Uh, I, I I know what he's thinking before he's thinking it, and he knows what I'm thinking before I think it. And that's just goes with how much time we spent together. And I'm very excited to go play for him. He, he's a guy that is easy to to follow, um, and our whole team is fed off of his energy. He's not a big hoorah guy, you know. He's very very quiet and steady. But the way he approaches his coaching, the way he approaches meetings, and everything he does, it, it, it's a um, it's a natural leader that our whole offense wants to follow. We're excited to go play for him. Skyler, as a follow-up to that, I mean, I know it's part of the business, part of the game, but how tough was it for you when you found out, like, mess up and let go? I'll tell you what, I was hurt. Um, I was very hurt. In my position, I have a great relationship with those guys. I have to, especially with Coach Messingham calling the plays. Um, Coach Messingham has been nothing but great to me my entire time here. He supported me. He's had my back uh, when a lot of people didn't. And I will always have love for him and appreciate everything he's done for me and, and wish him nothing but the best, you know. And I understand, understand it's part of the coaching business, part of the coaching world. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I wish him the best, and he'll always have a special place in my heart, that's for sure. All right, there's Skyler Thompson. Appreciate him taking some time for us here on PowerCat Game Day as we move on. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit more about Brandon Jennings. We mentioned his name, K-State landing a transfer linebacker who may have been the most sought after in the transfer portal, plus the bowl game history and the history between K-State and LSU. It's all coming up next here on Power Cat Game. This is Power Cat Game Day. 
Kansas. Performing the 7 million selling album, Point of No Return, in its entirety, for the very first time. Kansas, May 18th, Kansas State University McCain Auditorium, America's legendary progressive rock band, Kansas. A special musical event including deep cuts, fan favorites, and hits that made rock classic. Tickets on sale now at the box office or online at mccain.k-state.edu. Sponsored by Ascension via Christie. Vanderbilt's has always been known for our selection of boots and jeans, and now you can add Hey Dudes and Scrubs to that list. We carry Hey Dudes for kids, Hey Dudes for ladies, and Hey Dudes for men. We've got quite a selection now and have hundreds more due in soon. And ladies, we've got Scrubs in stock. Come and check out our selection today. Vanderbilt's is conveniently located in downtown Lamigo. Work boots and a Vanderbilt. Powercat game day continues. K-State and LSU playing in the Texas Bowl tonight at NRG Stadium in Houston. Late kickoff, 8 o'clock for the kick between the Wildcats and the Tigers. And as we look at the series history here, it is the second all-time meeting between these two teams. K-State lost 21 to nothing back in 1980, which should surprise nobody. I can tell you that K-State actually won four games that year, one of those by forfeit, thank you to Kansas. But, uh, hey, for K-State in the 80s, that's actually not a horrible season. And uh, hanging within 21 of LSU may not have been that horrible at that point in time. So you're welcome for uh, a little history lesson there. John Kurtz, back with Cole Manbeck and Derek Young from K-State Online. I, I don't know, that Cole, that kind of surprised me that this is only the second all-time meeting between K-State and LSU. I would have figured this would be exactly the type of program that like LSU in the, the 70s and 80s would have feasted on just getting in there for a bye game, you know, <laughs> schedule up the automatic W. Yeah, yeah, you would have thought that LSU would have been trying to get K State a lot in the '80s on their schedule when uh, when K State was not winning football games, but uh, that was not the case. So yeah, that is surprising that these two blue blood programs haven't matched up. <laughs> I, I want to know more about that forfeit. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know that KU and K State both got each other on probation at one point there. <laughs> uh, I believe in the '80s, it was like Pepper Rogers and Vince Gibson hated each other. Um, Anyway, someone will correct me on that, but yeah, there was a lot of that going around. Uh, I wasn't they, aware. I wasn't aware of that either. I mean, you're giving me a history lesson right now. I thought I I knew all things K State, but I I did not know that. Yeah, uh, it was definitely Pepper Rogers that that helped get K State on probation at one point in time. The, the Kansas coach, and then I just can't remember if at K State it was Vince Gibson or if it was a different coach. But uh, someone, someone I'm sure, email me, john at powerkgameday.com. Someone I'm sure will, uh, will give me the answer to that. Okay, uh, it is the eighth bowl game in K-State history in the state of Texas, which now breaks the tie with Arizona. And the fact that you have both of those uh, states with basically every single bowl game K-State has played in seemingly brings me to this point. The Big 12 needs some new bowl tie-ins. And uh, that, that's nothing against the Texas Bowl. I went in 2016 as a media member and was treated – Fine. Uh, I have no real complaints about that at all. Actually, I treated pretty well in terms of what they gave the media. Um, but before that, going in 2006, also had a decent experience there, even though K-State lost the game. It's, it's nothing against these bowl games personally, but I don't know, D.Y., I was really hoping for Orlando, being that it's about the only new destination K-State has possible in, in the Big 12 bowl pecking order. No, I still want to 
the Texas Bowl over the Cheese Bowl, and I, I've kind of mentioned that just because of the cost that would be incurred from a trip to Orlando around the holidays. Um, that wasn't going to be kind to my wallet. But in general, I think you are right about the bull tie-ins. Uh, and I don't know if I would remove the one in Houston just because that makes sense in a lot of ways for the Big 12. But like the Liberty Bowl, I would you know maybe sub it out. Can you flip that with the Music City Bowl if you want to keep it in the same general area and have a bowl game in Nashville? The one in Arizona, I, can we, you know, I don't even know what that bowl is called anymore. Is it still the Cactus Bowl? Um I, w- I would sub that out and possibly add the holiday bowl uh, back into the rotation if you can too, and a trip to San Diego. And, and that bowl has always kind of, you know, carried a certain uh, prestige to it. So it just feels like none of the bulls outside of the Alamo and obviously the tie-in, I think to the cotton bowl um, have really any prestige to it. I mean, no one, I don't think has any brand name value to the Liberty bowl, Texas bowl, cheese, bowl or, or cactus bowl. You guys think back to what the Big 12 used to have when it came to bowl tie-ins, right? John, when when you and I were growing up in the K-State era of dominance, I mean, the Cotton Bowl, you had the Cotton Bowl and then the Holiday Bowl, and then the Alamo Bowl was that third best bowl out of your non-alliance bowls. And now the Alamo Bowl is the best bowl. Uh, And so that, obviously, K-State couldn't do anything about the Cotton Bowl. That became one of the New Year's Six, or the Big 12, excuse me, it became one of the New Year's Six bowls, so nothing they could do about that. Losing the Holiday Bowl, hurt and now you know you're just the liberty bowl the guaranteed rate bowl that you talked about dui and and phoenix i mean i I think it's time for some fresh blood i you mentioned the music city bowl i would love for the music city bowl to come into the rotation trip to nashville k-state fans big 12 fans would flood nashville and i know they just had a record crowd with tennessee uh and purdue so i don't know how eager they are to change up the rotation you know every new year's day it's the same thing over and over again. You watch a poor Big Ten offensive team play in the Outback Bowl and the Citrus Bowl against these SEC teams. Would love to, to get either the Gator Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, or the Outback Bowl in the rotation, but I don't know if they're ever going to shift away uh, from the programs they have. The Las Vegas Bowl was yeah, up for bid recently, yep. and you know the Big 12 did not get it. I mean, there, there are opportunities out there that are exciting locations, and, and these bowls should want that too, right? I mean, they're... Yeah, they need some new blood every now and then. Fans get tired of going to the same places. And and so it's disappointing that that, that has not changed up the rotation at all, really. But uh, hopefully that happens in the near future. In case they had a blast beating an SEC team the last time they were here in the Texas Bowl back in 2016, Miles Garrett and Texas A&M were shut down by K-State. The Wildcats won and, and produced a nine-win season. Pretty good memory for the Wildcats to try and build on here today against LSU. Before we break... I know we've mentioned his name already today, but I wanted to uh, bring this up with D.Y. because this is a big deal, and it happened uh, on Sunday night out of the blue. Uh, I don't think many fans expected K-State to have a legitimate chance with linebacker transfer Brandon Jennings from Maryland, who was a top 100 four-star linebacker in the 2021 class. At one point was committed to Michigan, winds up going to Maryland. He was a midseason freshman All-American by ESPN this past year and decided to transfer, and K-State got him over a host of other schools. Uh, one of the bigger recruiting wins that I can remember for K-State in a while. I, probably, I, D.Y., is this fair to say? I, I realize this is transfer portal versus high school, but in terms of perception, the, the best land for K-State since Jake Rubley? Yeah, I think that's correct. I mean, look at the schools that they won out for in this battle, 
And these were like legitimate offers. These weren't his old high school offers. These were schools that were definitely interested in his services for the upcoming three seasons. That's right. Three years of eligibility still remaining as well, which is another you know, carrot there for Kansas State to have. But they beat Michigan, Michigan State, USC, North Carolina State, Georgia Tech, Northwestern, Indiana, I mean, Missouri. Um, he was a son of a, a former Florida State player that won a national title in the 90s with Bobby Bowden. So Brandon Jennings, uh, just the name value that he has because he, you know, playing for or being the son of Bradley Jennings, um, a lot of a lot of professionals know him as know about him as well. Having that offer list that he had at a high school, having the offer list that he did as a transfer, you could probably make a case that it might be even a bigger deal than the Jake Rubley thing. I think it's certainly gotten more national fanfare. And I would ask the question too, Cole, I'm curious for your take on this. K-State has done a very good job in the transfer portal. I, I don't think there's any denying that at this point. It started a couple of years ago when they had to go out and get two running backs and landed James Gilbert and Jordan Brown right off the bat. That is going to become a, a valuable skill. I mean, it is a valuable skill now in college football, and it may be basically as valuable as recruiting high school kids um, with how many spots we're talking about, 10-plus every single year, maybe reserved for transfers and guys in the portal. So if this staff really is that good at it, that, that could turn into the JUCO recruiting, for instance, that Bill Snyder utilized uh, when he first got the program up and humming. But I've had people ask the question, like, why is K-State so much better at that than high school recruiting? And I think the best theory would be that it's a little bit easier to sell some of the more like tangible things K-State has to offer being like stability, big facilities, a good fan base, it's a good place to come play where they don't have some of the flash that might attract a high school kid. Once they get in, they kind of understand what, what, what is really important. It might be easier to sell them on coming to K-State. But what would be your theory there? Well, John, I, I think it's a great point. Scott Wildcat had a nice uh, Twitter thread from the Bosco boys on this last night that I thought he made a very good point as to the transfer portal being so valuable to K-State and maybe why is a lot of these kids go through the recruitment out of high school you know, the glamour of it going to these big blue blood programs. And, you know, a lot of them don't see the field or it's not what they expected, not quite what they expected. They're going up against other four and five star recruits. And, you know, after a year or two, they realize that's not what they want. They want to play. And it's an opportunity for K-State to get some talent that they might not have had an opportunity to get before with now all these kids going into the portal. So I think that is a good point. And, and DY, I'm curious for your perspective. I mean, with the with the high school kids that you get into your program with so many of those kids, it's so hard to retain them and they're transferring, you know, at such a high rate. Could the transfer portal actually be maybe even more valuable than high school recruiting at some point for a program like K-State, because it is so hard to, to keep these high school kids, even when you get a high ranking high school kid, if, you know, it's so hard if they don't start to keep them in your program for long term. So could the transfer portal actually be even more valuable than putting resources into high school recruiting? Um, I know you still got to get high school kids, but I'm just thinking, you know, maybe there's more value in, in putting more resources toward the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I think there could be. I, I think it's probably a little bit more nuanced than that. I, maybe more value in the transfers that have multiple years of eligibility left. It might be how I characterize that because I don't, I don't know that, you know, a high school miss or a high school guy that ends up transferring out, if that is completely, 
you know, made up for by a guy that's maybe only around for one year, like Reggie Stubblefield or Daniel Emmanuel Bebe, for example. So I think that there's something to that, that that also increases the value of someone like Brandon Jennings, I think. So And Julius Brents, they've done it twice on the defensive side of the ball now. Julius Brents signed with the Wildcats last year with three years of eligibility remaining. So I think those kinds of guys, uh, they probably carry the, the most value, more value than even a high school recruit. So I think you're right on that front. In terms of it being like what junior college recruiting was for Bill Snyder, I would only say that, you know, somewhat I can see that, but at the same time, everyone's doing this. And when Bill Snyder hit his peak with the junior college recruiting, I don't think really anyone was. So it was like, uh, you know, a market inefficiency that was in Kansas State's favor. I don't know that there's a market inefficiency, so to speak, but I think that they can use it in the same way that Bill Snyder used the junior college recruiting just because they've become so effective at doing it. And I do think it's probably because their type of recruiting message, which is all about the work and all about football and all about, you know, they don't really put on a show. They don't really try to convince or, or, you know, trick anyone into it, which can really what recruiting kind of lends itself to sometimes. I think that probably resonates more with a more mature, older player than a high school one. It's probably looking for some of the things that coaches will have no problem saying, even if it doesn't hold to be true or doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I think on the, the Snyder point, Yes, very fair. This is not something K-State is doing that others aren't. I mainly mean this is a way to get higher-end talent in, which is a way that Bill Snyder was able to get Michael Bishop, Frank Murphy, Darnell McDonald, Jeff Kelly, guys like that that were just excellent in All-Americans that they weren't getting out of the high school ranks. This can be the way that you do that here, too, if if you are climbing in K-State. Either way, continue to be multiple positive signs on that front and should have you feeling better about the roster heading into next year. We'll check the Big 12 huddle coming up next year on Powercat Game Day. A great bowl season for the league and hey, maybe the best athletic department in the country resides in the Big 12 right now after what we saw during bowl season. We'll discuss that coming up next on Powercat Game Day. Follow us on Twitter at Powercat Game Day and join us in the pregame conversation. Powercat Game Day continues next. Whether you're reimagining your backyard or transforming a few acres into a field of dreams, let Prairieland Partners show you how easy and affordable it is to own a John Deere. Go to prairielandpartners.com, click on the PLP Builder to build, price, and buy a compact utility tractor, mower, gator, or skid steer. Get started today at prairielandpartners.com. Delivering the right solution. Prairieland Partners. Every body is different. Some get injured and others wear down. At Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, your unique condition is at the center of what we do. Locally owned, OSMC is all-inclusive, featuring state-of-the-art equipment and treatment from diagnosis through surgery, physical therapy, and a return to activity to get you back to an active and pain-free life. Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, the same doctors trusted by Kansas State University. The greatest comebacks begin here. More information at kansasortho.com. The Big 12 Hot Powercat Game Day's experts around the Big 12 Conference. The Big 12 Huddle is brought to you by Vanderbilt's, your work boot center, locally owned with nine locations across Kansas, online at Vanderbilt's.com. All right, 
It is time to dive into the Big 12 and what has happened in bowl games so far this year for the league. The the league, honestly, guys, has had a pretty good bowl season so far, particularly when you win the two high-profile games with Baylor knocking off Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, obviously taking down Notre Dame in comeback fashion. That gives the league a couple of 12-win seasons there, and basically everybody minus Iowa State has held up there into the bargain here in bowl season so far, D.Y., yeah, and you got to like uh, the state of Oklahoma. It's probably benefited the most with Oklahoma just you know blowing out Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Oklahoma State impressive uh, in the comeback win over Notre Dame, and then you don't even then obviously Texas Tech gets their payback on Mike Leach. Baylor pretty much dominated Ole Miss, even if Matt Corral didn't play at all. So uh, I think the only loss at this point is at just Iowa State, I believe. Um, um, and, and West Virginia did lose. West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. You almost forget about that game because it was such a, a snoozer against Minnesota, of course. But Iowa State, the way they lost, uh, was probably the most painful. Um, and Brock Purdy's career ending on a pretty, uh, uh, I guess, ironic or maybe fitting note. Yeah, it was a, a very fitting way for Purdy's career to end uh, on multiple times in the second half of that game with the the way it ended at the end and then that interception. Uh, I would also, you know, note that if K-State can beat LSU tonight, the new look Big 12 would have went 5-1 and one against the SEC in bowl games this year. Uh, Cincinnati being the only loss to Alabama, which is playing in the national championship, but UCF beat Florida, Houston beat Auburn, and then Texas Tech dominated Mississippi State. And guys, I don't know about you, but that was perhaps the most surprising outcome of it out of any of the Big 12 Bowl games was, I mean, Mississippi State was favored by 10-plus in that game, and, and Tech just dominated them with an interim coach. Um, and then also, uh, obviously, Baylor's went over Ole Miss. So it's a chance for the Big 12, the new-look Big 12, to go 5-1 and one against the SEC. Yeah, and, and I know we'll probably want to talk about Baylor and just their athletic department right now with the way their football and basketball program are going. But in terms of just the trajectory, the, the, the program that is a little worrisome to me right now, it's kind of just seems like they're soaring and making all the right hires and all the right recruit, you know, developments, uh, the, you know, getting transfers left and right as well as Texas Tech. I think that's got to be something of a little concern that you keep your eye on if you're Kansas State. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think the question is, can Joey McGuire actually coach when it comes to being out on the yep. field? Um, because that's where his background is the weakest in terms of just actual coaching at the, the D1 level. But clearly he can recruit. Clearly he's got connections throughout Texas. He can generate excitement, and they've done that in spades. That's what's, what it will come down to for Joey McGuire. And, yeah, when you mentioned Baylor, um, real quickly here before we have to, to head to break, I would just say that, uh, to me, they, they do, for my money, have the best athletic department in the country in this snapshot in time where they've won a national championship in basketball, won a Sugar Bowl in 12 games in football, and still have arguably the best college basketball team in the country going right now as we speak. Uh, So there's a lot happening there in Waco. It's pretty remarkable what's going on. They've also had a top 10 women's basketball team and volleyball team here throughout the fall. So Mac Rhodes, the AD at Baylor, really has it rolling. We've got to roll it over to Robert's World now here on PowerCat Game Day to wrap up Hour 1 as we always do. K-State superfan Robert Lipson will be at yet another bowl game, and here are his thoughts on the Texas Bowl. Respect the streak. Robert's World with K-State superfan Robert Lipson. 
And welcome to another edition of Robert's World on Powercat Game Day. I'm Mitch Fortner with the KC Superfan Robert Lipson as we get set for today's ball game in Houston, Texas Bowl. It's K State against LSU. Robert, I appreciate your time, and we've talked so much this season about your streak going on the road, but I would imagine you've attended every bowl game, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, every bowl game since our first bowl game in 1982 against Wisconsin. Do you have a favorite bowl game that you've attended? Oh, I don't know. Probably against the Wyoming Cowboys in 1993. That was special. And then uh, there were others. I'd have to look them up and see. All right. Well, we're in Houston, Texas. Are you a big fan of Texas? Are you a big fan of Houston? Oh, it's all right. It's just another road game, another destination I go to for a game. Well, this is a big one for K-State. They have an opportunity to beat a team out of the SEC and the LSU Tigers are 6-6. Six and six. K-State comes into this game 7-5. and five. How do you feel about K-State's chances tonight? Well, first of all, the last time we played L-State was at Tiger Stadium in 1980, and I made the trip there. So this is the second time that we're playing L-State that I can recall, okay? Um, I don't know much about L State, what their situation is. You'd have, you probably know, you'll hash it out on Powercat Game Day. I don't know anything about them. I know if Skyler plays, we have a, a good chance, but Skyler must stay healthy. All right, Robert, what is your plan for tailgating when it comes to bowl well, games? I'll visit the L State tailgates as many as I can and ask them if they were at the 1980 game when I was there. And then I'll visit the K-State tailgates maybe maybe about 80 minutes before kickoff, okay? And that's basically my plan. When I did my research, I found out that LSU has the second-best tailgating in the country. Are you a fan of Cajun food? Well, I'm anxious to visit their tailgates. I look forward. I always love to visit the other side and, and get acquainted with them. All right, Robert, I appreciate your time and enjoy the bowl game today. Okay, thanks for the vine. You have a wonderful decade, and uh, I'd like to win this cat fight. Over and out. Robert's Robert's World. I'd appreciate Robert and his time as we wrap up Hour 1 of Powercat Game Day. Coming up in Hour 2, you'll hear from Colin Klein, and we get to the top three storylines of the week next. This is Powercat Game Day. The game is just the beginning. Get post-game video highlights and exclusive analysis online at powercatgameday.com. When it's time to get back on board, you need to feel safe and secure. From check-in to baggage claim, you'll find more sanitation stations, social distancing, and other flyer-friendly measures to make your next travel experience your best one yet. All with the same shorter lines and closer-to-home convenience. Fly local, fly safe, fly MHK. Book your travel today at flymhk.com. Start the new year with a little gratitude. Join Midwest Dream Car Collection and members of the Riley County Police Department at Cars and Cops, Saturday, January 15th. This annual law enforcement appreciation afternoon includes free admission from 2 to 4 p.m., activity stations for all ages, and a showcase of the specialized vehicles used by RCPD. Don't miss this opportunity to visit with local officers and explore cars such as the Bearcat Technical Vehicle up close. For more information on Cars and Cops, visit MidwestDreamCarCollection.org. 